0: hey 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 if you're hearing that song it means it's monday day day night at 8 p.m which means it's time for another episode of fm rager i'm your host connor clifton joined as always by my lovely co-host ned gale ned it has been two weeks it has we have done our show and i gotta ask how the heck are you i'm doing okay yeah how about you how are you doing it's been a been an interesting (laughs) two weeks uh i think you and i like most everybody out in the world we're just gonna say this real quick um We've been having a lot of difficult conversations with friends, family members, and strangers online, I'm sure, and uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to say other than that F&Rager is going to start trying to have more interesting conversations, diverse conversations, and eye-opening conversations. And uh, we're going to go through the freaking weekend, and I'm very excited for our first guest. Uh, of this new phase of FN Rager that we're going to have for you guys tonight. Uh, and, yeah, I I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. And <laughs> well, I was going to say, everything. as as
1: you said it before, uh, at FN Rager, no one's truly raging until everyone's raging. And that's I, I think that's why we need to be having these conversations. But yeah. don't worry. Same zany bullshit will be here in between all the good <laughs> yeah, stuff. The show's yeah. not
0: going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> like it's still going to be what you come to expect. Uh, we're just going to... Try and uh, do something a little bit more important than just dick and fart jokes from moving uh, from here on out. So, Ned, let's get back to what the people really want to know. Sure,
1: yeah, what they're dying to know.
0: How was your freaking weekend? Before my we bring on our guest. Freaking
1: weekend was pretty good. Yeah, uh, it, it was my birthday uh, last week on Wednesday, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, a birthday during these times is trickier yeah uh, it's harder to go out and about it's harder to socialize but we uh we went out to the museum of fine arts got to see the uh, Francis Bacon exhibit and see some of his later works as well as a uh we had a nice surprise i didn't know the show was going to be there but a italian radical design show which was a uh, very psychedelic lots of big grass and eyeballs that was so
0: awesome. I, I really enjoyed the Italian furniture exhibit. I, but we
1: also did something else. Your birthday is on 610. That's right. Which just happens to be the name of one of Houston's most bustling loops. I, right now, and we're not going to rate it on this show because it's going to take the full hour, my favorite loop in the city, 610. Easily. Oh, Once again, I don't, this is, we have much more important things to talk about the today. The Beltway
0: Boys are going to be going off in the chat about this, I'm sure. But yes, we definitely. Did we wear the mask? I wear a
1: mask? Yes. yes. Yes, we wore a mask inside the museum and outside the museum. They uh, take your temperature ahead of time as well, and they uh, you have pre-purchased tickets for the hour, so it's a little less crowded in there. I, I like the way they handled it. Yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job. I really
0: liked it. If you are an art patron, um, hey, good news! The Museum of Fine Arts is taking the precautions necessary. I felt safe. You know, I've been going to the office um, every day <laughs> since uh, uh, middle of May now, and. You know, it's nice to see certain businesses here in Houston just taking those precautions. What are you laughing at?
1: (laughs) I'm laughing at our fans saying it is, uh, I woke up for the show one day ago since two weeks because I forgot the time difference between here and there.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Our new fan uh, from Turkey is tuning in. Sorry. We, we, uh, you know, you decided to be a fan and follow us and subscribe to us, and then we took a two-week break. Um, We're back. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you learned something today. Uh, what else did we do on the weekend? Oh,
1: oh so so 610. I'm sorry. We, we got some caught on this loop talk. So on June 10th, which is numerically 610, uh, we like to celebrate 610 Day. And we've been talking about it for years. Uh, but this is the first year we actually went through with 610 Day. And uh, Connor and I drove around all of 610 in one go. Before we hit the museum, just to, just to do it, just to see our city from the outside in. You it know? took us
0: an hour, but only because we hit traffic near 288 on the south side of 610. Um, which, I, I mean, I told you it happened. Hey, we took it our, ain't
1: Houston unless you hit
0: traffic. Yeah, that's true. We were taking bets on what would be the easiest part of the loop, uh, what would be the ugliest, the most beautiful part of the loop. The loop is nuts. It's uh, It all kind of looks the same after a while. Which Just a one-way, or did we do reverse? We went uh, one way. Just one way. We went up uh, I-10 west to 45 north, then we got on to 610 east, and we went clockwise Clockwise. around the city, hopped back off on 45 south, landed in the museum district right in time for our museum ticket, could not have planned it better ourselves, and uh, that's pretty much all we did. Oh, and then we speaking of driving, we got to see – Jared and Cody, friends of the show, you've heard them when they came on to discuss the Fast and the Furious franchise. We finally watched Fast and the Furious 8, Fate of the Furious. Not my favorite in the franchise. Kind of a disappointment, to be honest.
1: I still had a pretty good time during it. The thing is, is that even being disappointed by a movie in this franchise is still, like, pretty entertaining. (laughs) There's several scenes where I hopped out of my chair. (laughs) I did do
0: that. The stunts were cool. It was just, I felt that... um, I don't know. Paul Walker wasn't there. That was really weird. Sure. but it was also just like it felt kind of rushed. The story, <laughs> like we didn't <laughs> rushed. To... You mean fast? <laughs> well, the thing is that these movies, there's always a scene where the team gets back together. Yeah, and you didn't have that. It was just hard cut to Berlin, Germany, and their missions are oh. going poorly. You didn't get to see the gang get back together. He did. Which... He
1: did. There was a moment where he said, like, "You need a team." And he goes, "I've got one," and, and then it bam, cut to the team together. I guess eight movies in, they can't show it every time. Like, how many times can we show that one of them works at a water park and he's like, I gotta go, hops down the water
0: slide. I disagree because the time it takes between these two movies to come out, fans won't, I think fans want that. (laughs) I know I want What have they
1: been up to? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I want to see what Tej... And yeah. Up yeah,
1: I guess not to say there wasn't like plenty of uh, areas of that script that could easily be lopped off, not cut, lopped <laughs> in favor of a uh, uh, let's get the band together seed. It felt the longest <laughs> <laughs> at a, at a
0: uh, daunting two hours and 17 minutes. It felt the longest. All right. Look, everyone, um, we're going to take a quick break. It's not a commercial. No ad. We're just going to have a we'll be right back sign go up for about. A minute two minutes don't worry we'll be right back when we have your guest uh so hang tight sound off in the chat say hello to everybody we'll be right back
1: Are we live? Are we good? We are currently live.
0: All right. Our guest today is a former candidate for Harris County District Attorney who made bail reform a top priority of her campaign, and she recently started hosting a radio program called The Phoenicia Show. Please welcome Audia Jones. Audia, thank you for being with us today. I'm so excited. I'm a huge fan. We appreciate you giving us some of your time.
2: No, thank you guys. I'm excited to be here.
0: Now, as a lawyer who recently ran for office, I imagine you spend a lot of time talking about the law and having to handle a lot of paperwork, but we wanted to give you a chance to talk about something else for a change, which is partying, you know, what the show is all about. (laughs) So we just want to go ahead and get into it. And do you remember the first party that you ever attended in your life?
2: In my life? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think I was like tagging along with my brother, probably in high school. I I was like a tag along. I wasn't. I wasn't like the super cool kid. I was really, really, really good in basketball into like academics. So I was like the nerdy kid that was like good at sports. So people like me. And (laughs) other than that, yeah, my brother, my brother was the cool kid, went to all the parties. So I think I like tagged along maybe when he was in um, 10th grade, we were in the same school, I was in ninth grade. And of course I went to that party with all the seniors he was cool. Someone like picked up my shoes and started laughing at them in the middle of the whole party. So, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it was interesting.
1: I'm glad we. I had an older sibling as well, and I think that was my ticket to a lot of my first like cool experiences. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh,
0: not me. My brother flat out refused to ever bring me anywhere <laughs> and denied knowing me at times. Did you ever recover from uh, that first party? Did you ever get your uh, Your justice. (laughs) Yeah,
2: you know, the thing is, you know, the funny part is I think that's where a lot of my tough skin developed, you know, so what it really taught me is you can't really tie yourself to, um, I guess, like products or, or something physical, right? So. Um, even though I, I remember the kid who held it up too, and he he was a senior. His name is Hippo. That was his. It was Aaron Hippolyte. So of course I do remember that. So if he's watching, I do remember that. Um, we actually
1: have him right here now. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. But um, but you know, I did. I was able to laugh at myself, and I really didn't take it as much of a big deal. It didn't bother me. I'm like, I didn't really want to be there in the first place, and I laughed it off, and we kept it. You know, once once they see you laugh it off, there's you can't really make a joke of something somebody
1: who thinks it's
0: funny, so. Right on. Now, one of the fun parts about partying is the community that it builds and you get to talk to all these different people and through that you get to learn that everybody parties differently. So Mm -hmm. some people like doing keg stands in a crowd, while other people prefer to sit on a couch and watch YouTube with their friends. Uh, right. But I would like to ask, what do you think your party style is now? What's, what's, a, what's a fun night of relaxing <laughs> with friends a fun or night.
2: No, You know what? And we actually, I, I make that face because I'm like, oh, when I hear the term partying and then when I look at you guys, uh, you know, the, the page, I'm like, I don't think I live up to that. Uh, <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> we're not Trust that me, cool. Front, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, I think a fun night of partying pretty much would be me and my husband going to like a really, really good concert. We've been to some amazing, amazing concerts with like PJ Morton, uh, Toby and Wigwee. We, I think it was, um, oh God, there's, there's so many others that we've actually gone to with either really good friends, um, like a group of like six to eight other couples or uh, maybe about four to five other couples. And just having a good time, you know, having, you do have some adult beverages. The kids aren't there. So you have a good time and, and, and you sleepwalk back into the house. And, uh, <laughs> and you're like, man, I probably should have gone to bed a little bit earlier. But, but yeah, that would be, that would be our partying night.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good night. Was yeah, it, it's not bad. We, we were talking about the other day what our last like movie or concert we saw pre uh, uh-huh. quarantine or anything. Do you remember the last concert you went out to before that? I-
2: yeah, I think the the last one we went to was P. J. Morton. I think I had messed up on something with the babysitter, so unfortunately my husband got to go to the Toby concert. Uh, I missed it, <laughs> oh, but I no. heard it he was phenomenal. And of course, I have listened to his their album all the time. So, um, but the last one we went to together was P. J. Morton. So Did nice.
0: You, do you remember the last movie that you went to go see? Oh.
2: We do Prime a lot here. Um, oh, that's good. <laughs> the, the last movie. Mine, I stuff. think with
0: Sonic the Hedgehog. I really don't
2: remember the last, what was the last movie that we went to see? I think, you know, I think the last movie that I went to see, uh, it was my mother. We took my niece and we went to see, uh, it was the the movie with Cheryl, was it Sh- Cheryl Streep or uh, the lady from The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, Meryl Streep. What was her
1: name? Meryl Streep.
2: I think so. And then she ended up getting fired. And then she like teamed up with this mom, this single mom, and the daughter were selling Girl Scout cookies. And then they went to like took it to a whole nother executive level.
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I can't think of the title of that one. I think commercials. Yeah. It was a good I'm movie. Sure.
2: It was actually a really good movie. So.
0: <laughs> now I gotta ask. Uh, you you know. I know my fair share of lawyers. <laughs> Uh (laughs) i i know they also enjoy alcoholic beverages the adult beverage Uh the adult night out but what was it like partying in law school i mean it seems to me that you uh really hit the books in order to project yourself into running for office so uh, but i still got to ask what was it like
2: yeah yeah yeah. um for me i guess party would have been it was it was better for me in law school actually um not the first year first year you really you're like literally a worm in a book um and you do have some days where you do have the parties where you're like okay i I deserve every ounce of staying up until 6 a.m mostly probably drinking everything you can get your hands on but um for the most part, for me, because, again, I played Division One basketball in undergrad, so I really didn't get the party, party experience, yeah. um, because you would feel it the next day in practice, yeah. but uh, for the most part in law school, you know, I, I did enjoy myself. Uh, I had I had parties. I think the most lively one was on my birthdays. Everybody was looking for a reason to celebrate. Uh, <laughs> those would be exciting. Probably wouldn't relive those, but they, they were exciting, so.
0: Great. <laughs> Now, you recently started hosting a radio interview program called The Phoenicia Show. Uh, Can you tell us about this show and why you pivoted into broadcasting?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's just so much, um, you know, even what you guys are doing, like, uh, you guys are the dinguses, right? So I I was like, what's a dingus? You know, so I had to go look it up, and, and it's, what is it, something that's not apparent, that's really not spoken about. And um, I think there's so much that can be talked about in our in the world, really. I can't even just say in our community, not just here in Houston, I mean, we literally live in the third largest county in the United States. And once I ran for office, it opened my eyes to so many things that were going on um, outside of just criminal justice reform. Um, but the people that I got a chance to meet, uh, talk to that had different areas of expertise, whether they were a victim of some type of crime or a victim of the system and or it, somewhere in between. Um, I just felt like, you know, it won't hurt to to continue this platform um, of speaking about all of these things that are going on and giving other people a chance to come on. Because just like you all, how you guys are calling me on, you know, I'm on your show now. I'm talking about more than just my run. I'm talking about everything else in between. And we have so many people with so, such diverse backgrounds. You're like, oh, wow, I never... I never knew you had that much complexity to you. So that's really why we started our show to talk about social responsibilities and and what people are really anchored in doing. So,
0: so was this your first experience with broadcasting? Yeah, this is yeah, uh, yeah, this is
2: it. This is it. Yeah, jump right in, head first, like that's everything great. else I do. Like-
0: <laughs> so we watched the live pilot that was okay. up. When is it going
1: to? Is it is it officially dropped yet? Is it a? Like, where, where can people find this show if they want to watch yes, it?
2: Yes, 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 uh, So the official show you can find on YouTube. Uh, we have to straighten out the, the links and everything, uh, just getting the kinks out. So you're right. We did the first pilot episode. We're filming the second one. Is is actually going to be featured tomorrow um, on Facebook Live. So we will have another episode tomorrow. Um, but we are putting it on our podcast platform. You'll have access to it through our audiojones.com. Um, and then, of course, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Phoenicia Show. So, T H E Phoenicia F A and is Nancy E S H A Show?
1: So, and I'll put all that in the chat for people watching okay. on uh, Twitch.
0: <laughs> now,
1: you've worked for the District Attorney's
0: Office. You ran for District yeah. Attorney. Now, in this broad and this radio program, you're investigating social responsibility. It seems that this is something incredibly important to you. And I was wondering what pushed you and motivated you to pursue social justice and social responsibility through your career?
2: Yeah, I think it's just a combination of a few things. Um, it's a combination of, of uh, being a, a human being and seeing so many wrongs that have, had actually occurred um, when I was in the DA's office. I think, you know, one of the things I noticed and I can, you know, the, I think the the best thing about growing is is when you do grow, you understand uh, where you came from and where you're going. And I remember when I started at the DA's office and I'm like, there were so many things I did just because they told me to do it. Not even realizing like, hey, I, I, I probably ruined uh, some people's lives, even if they had to stay in jail one to two days. I think I, I always told people that first story um, on, it was my first week of work I had never tried a case before in my life, um, and I went in there just dressed really well. Um, I had watched a trial, and I really just bluffed the defense attorney, and she literally pled her guy to a hundred days, one hundred days in jail for a driving while intoxicated. And you know what I found out later on? i would never, I've never even requested that anybody stay in jail over probably like five days with a DWI second, um, which is what he had. Um, so again, it was just, you know, at first I was you know, you're giving the pat on the back. Good job. So, you know, that's the point. I was like, okay, I need to know what I'm doing, the power that I have as a prosecutor. Um, and then how do I turn it to make sure that I'm using it for something effective and good instead of just being a robot or a puppet and just coming in here and doing what other people are telling me to do.
0: So, so I've seen a lot of discourse online about, systems and institutions being broken and yeah. uh, they just need to be torn down and rebuilt up again. Do Correct. you think that people can bring about change within a system that people are calling broken?
2: No, I, I, don't, I don't think it's broken. And I always, um, you know, throughout my run, I was very, very clear in saying that. I don't think our system, it's not broken. Um, our system is working the way it's designed to work. Um, it is a money driven system uh, where we have placed a dollar amount on human beings and anytime you have that and people that are receiving some type of capital or kickback or monetary incentive to put more uh, kids in juvenile facilities, um, to put more adults in prison, to put more people in jail, to raise bail amounts, to keep people in jail and you're getting money in response to that. You have, you know, people are paying, exorbitant amounts to call home. Um, And the most people that are affected are either black, brown, or they're just lower income. So what we have is we have white people who are affected, we have black people who are affected, and we have Hispanic people and everybody else in between who are infected, affected, um, who are just now just getting to a point where they're getting caught in this web um, of what the criminal justice system was designed to do. And it was designed to get free labor, which is what they're doing. Um, and it was designed to provide monetary incentives to who's at, whoever is on the back end of those contracts uh, tied in with the jail. So,
0: Now, you mentioned bail mm-hmm. in your answer there. Now, when you ran for district attorney, one of your major platforms was calling for bail reform. And a lot of people I know heard that phrase, bail reform, and thought, oh, that's good, I want that, but they didn't really know the nitty-gritty details, couldn't explain it. And I definitely want to ask what bail reform looks like, but first I would like to know exactly how does bail play into the incarceration system as a whole?
2: I mean, bail is huge. We have, uh, and I, again, I'm a very much a numbers driven person. Um, so I, I, that's why I wanted to be very clear during my run. I'm like, I'm not making these numbers up. Um, as African-Americans, we make up 13% of the, the population in Harris County, but we're 50% of the Harris County jail. And 75% of people are actually in there. Um, so if you have on any given day, let's say you have about 9,100 Um, people in the Harris County Jail. Um, Over 50% of them are gonna be African American. Uh, The additional 30% are are gonna be uh, Hispanic or Latino. Um, And then you have about 75% of that number in there for nonviolent offenses and who end up staying in there only because they cannot afford uh, the amount of bail that they were given. Um, So that's what bail plays on it. I mean, these are people who haven't been convicted of anything. There's a difference between being charged and being convicted. When you're charged, you're just accused. I mean, many of us can think back to when we were kids at home or if you still live at home right now and you think about someone accusing you of something that you didn't do and you're like, hey, prove it. And they're like, well, in the meantime, while I prove it, I want you to stay locked in your room you know, it's, it's, it's the same kind of idea. And uh, that's what we have. But again, you have that monetary incentive to raise bail to keep those beds filled, to keep those contracts going in the jail to keep those jobs flowing. Um, you know, we have COVID-19 now, we're, we're seeing ridiculous rates of people who are being infected. Um, and again, 75% of those people are in there for nonviolent offenses, because they just can't afford to get out.
0: It really feels like the concept of bail just kind of undercuts completely innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Like it just doesn't really seem to function with the ideals of our justice system. Exactly. So what would reforming that system look like?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would look like what we, I mean, what we've pretty much accomplished in, in our county courts, right? Dealing with our misdemeanors. Because right now we have our cash bail reform dealing uh, in our misdemeanor courts um, where unless someone uh, falls into one of the exceptions where they pr- uh, present a danger to the, our community, which at that point I wholly agree, yes, let's give that person a bail. Let's make sure we're keeping the community safe. Or if the person poses a flight risk, which is what our Texas Bill of Rights was designed to do, it wasn't designed to be an oppressive tool. Um, most people don't even look at the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure. Uh, section 17.15, um, where it talks about the different elements that we're looking at. It has to be within an amount that each person can pay. So that means if I work at McDonald's and I only make $20,000 a year, you're in, in. as a judge or as a prosecutor, you're requesting my bail to be set at $150,000, yeah. what's the likelihood of me getting out before my trial um, or before I'm able to fight my case on equal ground? Um, so that is actually unconstitutional and illegal, uh, but our, our, um, we have not had that in our felony courts yet. So what that would look like is essentially what we have in our misdemeanor courts. Same thing. Let's give PR bonds, uh, personal recognizant bonds, which means you don't pay. Uh, and you come in, most people, there's an 85% return rate for people who don't pay bond that do show up on a a consistent basis throughout the life of their case. Um, And again, that 77% of people are in there for nonviolent offenses. Let's let them go. Let's let them fight their case from an equal footing. Um, And then let's put that bail amount on people who really do pose a danger to our community or flight risk. So,
0: so. One of the things that, uh, what, uh, 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 sorry, <laughs> So during the Black Lives Matter uprising, a uh-huh. uh, term that's been going around or um, bail funds. And I've been seeing these mentioned more and more uh, online and in conversations I'm having. Can you tell us what a bail fund is?
2: Um, a bail fund, it just looks like uh, you have groups of people that are putting money um, into one specific pot. Uh, and then using that money towards bailing out protesters or people that are um, essentially what we've seen is the majority of the videos that, are, that have been shown on social media. You have these innocent people that are out there peacefully protesting um, that are being abused, uh, harassed, arrested uh, by these rogue officers. Um, who have always existed, um, but now they're just being caught on on video at higher rates because of everything that's going on. Um, and uh, it's just a fun to, to say, hey, we're, we support these people. Um, we don't agree with the DA taking charges. We don't agree with the fact that they're being held. And in Harris County, you know, they took a charge for every single last peaceful protester. And our current DA actually asked for, Uh, the judges to issue $150,000 bonds for peaceful protesters, Um, and and that was documented uh, in the newspaper. So imagine these people are out there peacefully protesting, uh, not doing anything violent, not causing any commotion, um, and literally are being held on a $150,000 bond. Now, she has since dismissed those cases subsequently, but, I mean, you got to remember these people now have to get those expunged. Um, They still have to, uh, that's still on their records, The, the arrest record's still on their record, so...
0: Have you ever, I I have somebody in the chat here saying that uh, apparently when COVID was just ramping up in Harris County, they proposed releasing people in custody on nonviolent charges just to get them out of there. Is that, do you think that could be happening?
2: No, they stopped that very, very early on. That was like months ago. So there was an announcement that that was supposed to move forward within uh, the Harris County jail. Um, There was an immediate stop that was put to it. Um, and, and, um, yeah, that, that, that conversation was squashed a a couple months ago.
0: So, okay. Okay. So you mentioned rogue cops Mm -hmm. that have always been here and they're just not getting filmed in your time working with the DA's office. Did you, can you speak to, have you ever experienced firsthand interacting with these officers?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And and what I've told people, I, you know, I I don't like to blanket anybody or any specific uh, group of people because I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. Um, But I've dealt with some people who are very professional. Let me say that. I've dealt with some police officers, very professional uh, that that really are in those positions to protect and serve, um, whereas you have the other ones um, who are not there to protect and serve. Um, they're there to fulfill some type of sickening desire to harass um, and and uh, go on a power trip with people. Um, I've, as a prosecutor working, I've actually written an affidavit where an officer got fired um, for lying about uh, one of the people that I was actually prosecuting, the defense attorney provided me with information because at that point I developed this reputation where I'm like, hey, if you provide me with information, if it's correct, I'll, I'll let your, you know, we'll go ahead and dismiss this case. Well, the defense attorney provided me with uh, information that actually showed, it was evidence that showed that the police officer um, stopped this young lady he told me he arrested her right then and right there for DWI, when in fact, he actually came back to her house about seven hours later um, and then arrested her with no PC um, for DWI. So I wrote the affidavit. He ended up getting terminated. They had to go open up all of his cases that he handled before, found out that he yeah. lied on a few other cases as well. So that was one of them. And then I had to pull another officer off the stand for, for lying during a trial, so.
0: Now, while we're on the topic of police, I do want to ask, how do you feel uh, Police Chief Art Acevedo is handling the uprisings and demonstrations going on right now?
2: Yeah, I'm disgusted. I mean, I'm disgusted. I think that's I think that's one word. I think, you know, we have a lot of people that are out here that are very vainglorious. Um, you know, and I, I, th- I think that's the best term, vainglorious. When you have the gumption or the nerve to put the face up of George Floyd, um, who is an individual who is from Houston, Texas, uh, who actually um, served prison time because of one of our Acevedo's police officers lied on him Um, and his record still hasn't been cleared. Um, And then not to mention that we've had, I believe to date, it's about eight police officer involved shootings or killings um, and not one of the videos has been released, Um, but we're, you know, he's sitting here praising out of state places, I, you know, it's just, it it's uh, it's it appears to be a dog and pony show, right? So it's um it's a dog and pony show where you're you're cheering on other people out there. You're saying, hey, we have such a diverse police force. You know, we're doing everything great, but is it's one of those things where you pull up the um the rug on the floor. And you saw your dog's been sweeping all their, you know, S-H-I-T under it, and then you pull it up, and you're like. But your house is not in order, you know. So, it's that that's what we have here in Houston with our uh HBD chief. So.
0: There is a phenomenal uh, phenomenal article in Texas Monthly about the oh. hero myth of Art Acevedo. Yeah. Yes. And after I read that, I was talking to my friend about those six shootings and how the body cam footage has not yet been released. I don't know the answer to this. Are there things that the citizens, the people of Houston, can do to compel Chief? Mm-hmm. Octavito to release that footage
2: um, as far as compel I, you know just keep putting pressure on it I mean we see other people are doing that around the country right now um, and you got to remember these people you have to know I think you know the best way to put it is like the art of war understanding Uh, what makes someone tick, right? And so for elected officials, like let's take for instance, our current district attorney, what made her straighten up uh, when I was running against her? Well, she didn't want to lose her position. It wasn't so much that she really had the best interest at heart. She just didn't want to lose that position. So she started changing things. She started addressing the possession of marijuana charges. She started making, you know, so my thing is with people like that, we know police chief, R. Acevedo, uh, that position is not an elected position, but it comes through the mayor. So if we know it comes through the mayor, we got to hold him accountable, right? right? So you put pressure down on City Hall to say, "Hey, Mayor, either they need to release this video or we need to do something." And put so much. Uh, media attention pressure make this such a national issue that either you're gonna have to terminate the police chief or replace him, um, or he's gonna have to go ahead and release those videos. Um, because around the world, we've seen that the only way a lot of these elected officials are really standing by uh, what they're supposed to be doing, which is serving the community and serving the public is if they're hold, held accountable in the public. Uh, if they are not held accountable in the public, they will try and get away with every, and not all of them, Um, but we know a lot of them, Um, you know, specifically uh, our Acevedo, but we'll continue to try and uh, uh, kind of fly under the radar if if possible.
0: Yeah, it's it's been disgusting. Do you know – geez, sorry, I need a second here. (laughs) It makes me really upset that – you're right, Acevedo is definitely – he gets his photo op he kneels and uh-huh. then kneels cries on camera
1: then turns yeah. right around and pulls those people and people are out there protesting yeah
0: we yeah. all saw the footage mm-hmm. we all saw abc 13 it was it's, ugh, it's a shame
2: yeah, and i think you know and a, and a lot of it is on on our on our community too on our houston community is we have to educate ourselves and believe less of what we hear and believe more of what we see and start making people that we are giving a such a significant amount of power to, uh, you know, make them make them show and prove. I think too many times we're like, oh, such and such gave such a great speech. I love them; they're my favorite. Okay. You know, one of the things about me, if you guys, it sounds like you guys followed, and you're like, I really like the audio. You know, I'm I I was consistent every time I spoke, even to this very day. I've never wavered on anything. I've never changed anything. Although there may have been some people that said, Hey, you know, I don't necessarily agree with you on this. I would explain to them my perspective and say, we can agree to disagree, but this is where I stand firmly. Um, and, and we need to start holding them elected people, um, and people that are put into these higher positions. We need to start holding them accountable beyond what they say and more about what they
0: do. Um, so I'm going to give you credit for that. I've seen you speak a few times, and your message has always been consistent. And to piggyback off of that, what you were saying about when you started speaking up about uh, District Attorney Ogg's policies and how they started changing, you're right. It was you and Carvana Cloud, two former staffers of her, running against her, openly speaking about her policies, and Mm -hmm. that really brought some change. It was, I guess, more people really need to run for office and uh, voice their opinions and try to be heard.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's not even so much just um, anybody running for office. I think the problem is we need real people that have been uh, that what's the what's the best the the, I'm like the best way that have a equal understanding of the people who are suffering the most from whatever system they're running for. Um, You know, we have. Kim Og, which, you know, her father was a state senator, as you know, she comes from this uh, silver spoon lineage, um, probably has had never had any type of confrontation with police. Her family never has. If they do, they know somebody that knows somebody that can get him out. Right. And and my thing is, I, you know, what I always stood firm on me personally um, was, hey, you know, I've been I've been black for 35 years. I I have a black brother. I have a black husband. I have a black uh, three-year-old son, you know, we have people like Trayvon Martins and George Floyds and Breonna Taylor and Richard, uh that just happened in Atlanta and the two young black men that were found hanging from the tree, one in Houston and then uh, one in, I, I believe it's Florida. Florida. But, you know, one of the things is, is we just, I can't, my thing is I cannot wait to till it happens to my son to say, okay, well, I'm gonna put him on a t-shirt now, who do I talk to? No, I have to be in a position to do what's right um, for the people that have been mostly affected. Um, And like I said, I was able to spread that message to say, hey, we have white people that are lower and middle income um, that are being drastically affected and dragged into this criminal justice um, trap that we have because of the opioid crisis or um, because, they uh, go against the grain as far as what the establishment wants to see. So it, it did become more of a widespread message just because that's reality. But but that's why I ran.
0: Um, I cannot tell you how inspiring it is to see you now pivoting into broadcasting and using that platform to keep mm-hmm. that conversation going and to bring more people into that conversation. Yeah. I yeah. I <laughs> I I I think it's incredible. I think you're an incredible Houstonian, an incredible citizen and you're really doing mm-hmm. a lot of work for the city. Thank you. Who would be your like dream guest to have on to your program to to kind of bring awareness to issues that you find important? Or just to mm-hmm. talk to. You. you can be honest.
1: <laughs> like.
2: um, uh, dream guest. Oh wow. Um
1: You
0: can say us if you want. <laughs> you got
2: call me on that one. I'm like, good I have answer. A few. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess you know what I'll say. I'll just say um, Sean King um, because he was a huge supporter of my campaign when I first uh, jumped out there. Um, I had his backing, I had the backing of the Real Justice Pack, and to this day, I thank them um, for everything that they've done. Um, and just getting like Bernie Sanders involved in Kendrick Sampson and Black Lives Matter. And, you know, it was it literally in John Legend. And, you know, so it just it took on a life of its own later on. But I, I'll say Sean, because, you know, regardless of of people's feelings of him and, you know, no human being is perfect. So. You take you got to take the good with the bad, and, and you make sure that the good outweighs the bad. And in my opinion, it does. Um, but because he's so, been so much on top of everything that's been going on around the world, um, you know, from the UK to to Florida to Missouri, um, I think to have him on, and and that's that will be one of our guests, hopefully. Um, but but yeah, just to talk about like the enormous amount of weight, um, because I remember when I was running for office you do have people that are looking for a hero. There are so many people out there um, that are looking for a hero. So what you guys are doing with, the, with your show is amazing. Um, you know, people are watching it and, and getting inspired by things that you would have never thought are inspiring or what you're saying um, that they're like, wow, these two guys, they're out here doing it. I can do it, too. Um, but there's so many people out there looking for a hero or looking to be saved. And my big s- statement is like, you know, you have to learn how to save yourself first. Um, and then you can look for people to team with, to work together with, then to accomplish a goal. And I think a lot of the time when I was running for district attorney, I had a lot of people that were like, you're going to save me. And I'm like, no, we're going to do this together. You know, this is what it is. It's going to take all of us. I need your feedback. I need your input. Um, but I think to me, he would probably be one of those guests.
0: <laughs> that would be great. It'd be fantastic. a good gig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll admit, I'll admit Did you meet Bernie Sanders?
2: Yeah, I have the pictures on Instagram. They're there. I was all, I was like, "Can I get a selfie really quick?" So he's like, "Yeah."
0: Was he cool? Cause I get the vibe he's not really digging the the cult of personality that his online following. <laughs> he ability. was
2: very laid back, like a New York grandpa or New York uncle or something. He was he was he was great.
0: <laughs> That's great. <sweet. laughs> great. Well, Adia, we are going to move into our final segment here. Um, so bear with us. Um, we're sorry you have to go through this, but we're yeah. about to get into our plug segment. Um, we have a song that we sing, so hang on. Wait, I have to pull up the
1: song. Okay. I forgot to, to have it ready. I didn't think we'd do it tonight. <laughs> we, oh, well, we, uh, no, it's too late. We already said we were going to do it and here we go. Oh no.
0: Okay. Nah, never mind. Basically we just sing a, uh, Huey Lewis and the News song. And called. I want a new plug. We don't have to do it now. Get out of there. It's too late. No, get out of there, please. Get out. Adia, do you have anything that you would like to plug uh, before we wrap up our interview with you?
2: Um i mean the only thing is you know at this point i'm still fighting you know people are like hey what do you what are you out there doing you mean you could still follow up my journey uh i am on still on instagram facebook and twitter at audio D da still so it's a u d i a f o r d a um and you know essentially i am a personal injury attorney uh and i do employment law so if you are ever injured in a car accident slip and fall anything like that I still fight every single day. It's just now my fight is geared towards the insurance company and they hate to see me coming. Um, But we do, you know, the crazy thing is even in these different areas of law, even though I'm focused in something uh, more civil now, it's like, you know, you still see the same inequalities. You still see the same. uh, I've been posting about it recently. I'm like, you know, it's interesting what they'll offer, like my black or Hispanic client versus my white client. Or it's interesting how, um, you know, uh, men are given more of the benefit of the doubt than, than women as far as car accidents go. Um, or, you know, so it's it's very interesting. And, and, you know, that's why I'm like, it's really important to have a good attorney. Um, I can't say any attorney is just like those professional officers out there. There are some bad, bad attorneys, but there are also some very good ones. So. If you guys ever get in a problem, any issues with personal injury, or you just want to follow, uh, uh, I do post a lot of so- socially conscious and aware things. Um, and then we do our Phoenicia show uh, every first and third Tuesday of the month.
1: First and, third and you said there's one tomorrow afternoon? Yeah. Or what, what time is that going to be at?
2: Tomorrow, one o'clock. So we will o'clock. be live at one o'clock. And then we will follow up and put it on our podcast station. Um, and it will go live on YouTube as well.
0: Go check it out. Ned and I listened to the first episode. It's great. I loved your guest
1: that you had. Oh, good. Fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) What a way to lead it off.
0: (laughs) So, Aya, thank you so much for coming on the show. Please, everyone, go follow her. Uh, Call her if you need any kind of attorney. But thank you so much. We appreciate you Thank you,
2: guys. Thank you, guys. And keep partying, you guys. This was a great show. Great show. I'm (laughs) honored to be on here.
0: Appreciate it. (laughs) Okay. Good
1: night. Good night. Okay. All right. Well, holy moly. Wow,
0: (laughs) That was our first, uh, kind of heavier conversation kind of interview. I really want to keep this kind of stuff going. If you guys have anybody that you think would be a good fit to kind of show us that again, it's not a rager unless everybody can rage. And if you have some ideas for people that we can boost up, we are more than welcome to hearing what you have to say as well. So, um, Ned, you're right. We should not have sang the song in hindsight. It is a wildly inappropriate. I thought time. about it
1: halfway through. People are in the chat are asking for it. We can do an acapella version. We'll real do an quick. acapella right now. We'll, I do, we'll go out on an acapella before uh, we did write down a link. Uh, I wanted to talk. Yeah, about, yeah. we talked about bail funds. This is a really good resource for bail funds across. It's it's, it's across, across the, the U.S. Country. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, across the United States. They've got two for Houston. Well, one for Houston, one for like greater metropolitan areas of Texas. Uh, am, am
1: I missing? Is this the one where you can donate like a large amount of money and it'll funnel it to several different bail funds? That might be a different website. than I think you. so. I'm living <laughs>
0: paycheck to paycheck, so I haven't really been able to donate. Uh, but if I get another <laughs> uh, Trump check, you know I'm spreading it around. Point being, yeah. All right. People are sounding off in the chat. They want to hear
1: the song. <sighs> And one, and two, and you know what to do.
0: I want a new plug. Tell us what's going on What
1: stuff you are you doing After I sing this song Hey we don't have plugs for you We have our own plugs We
0: have our own plugs We have a plug Ned what would you like to plug today I
1: just want to plug At Ned of the Dead on all social media I think this Thursday night On Facebook I should have thought about this Before it started coming out of my mouth Uh, swimwear department did a pre-recorded show for discovery green for their at home concert series and it'll be premiering this thursday night uh just follow me at net of the dead to get information on when that is or where that is
0: follow me at clifto currency i'm not really doing anything right now um but follow him yeah follow me because i will be doing something soon it's just you know big things coming soon (laughs) you know how it goes and one thing i definitely want to plug is tomorrow night Grown Up Storytime is hosting Grown Up Storytime 137. They're doing something a little differently here. I've got some copy I don't want to read. For Gust 137, we have partnered with guest producer Keisha Breaker as we pause to listen to and amplify stories of the black neighbors in our community that have long gone unheard and unbelieved. For this Grown Up Storytime, we commit to sharing stories from black writers specifically and featuring black performers. The show will be live streamed from the Rudyard stage, but... Due to the ongoing and very real pandemic, jury's still out, all attendees can watch via our YouTube channel or Facebook. We'll post a watch party link tomorrow. This month's Grown Up Storytime is a featured focus for black artists, but represents the first step in what will be an ongoing effort to prominently elevate writers and performers of color going forward. Grown Up Storytime was the first show that ever gave me any stage time, and the fact that they are doing this is partially what inspired us to try to have more difficult and eye-opening conversations. That, and also friend of the show, Rahul Ralph. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Rahul. for a phone conversation we had last night, uh, or uh, yesterday morning. I appreciate it. Now, if you do watch Grown Up Storytime tomorrow, you're going to see some familiar faces. It's going to be hosted by Chuck Vaughn, friend of the show, yeah. and part of your improv troupe group, yep, if I'm not part mistaken. Part of Futile Society. As well as Antoine Colbert, another friend of the show and member of Futile Society. Right? Yeah. I always forget who's in your improv troupe. I just know, like, you're in it.
1: You know, it's it's uh, as long as you yes and onto the stage, you're part of it. So if I have, don't take that as an invitation, are you <laughs> going to yes and any member I pitch? Yes and <laughs> <laughs> I will also quit. Look, go check it out. It's is, that, be, is that at eight p.m. tomorrow? It's at eight p.m. Okay, tomorrow. Cool. Yeah,
0: go check it Deets out. It's in the chat. Um, and that about does it for our show this week. We're really happy to be back. We really w- missed y'all, and um, thanks for sticking around with us while we try something new. I don't don't, don't know what else to say.
1: Yeah, thanks for tuning in. And always uh, hit us up on the the Rager pager if you have any suggestions on who we should get or what we should talk about. The number is always 910-447-2437, a.k.a. 910. Hi, Rager.
0: Also, uh, I just want to say happy Pride. Very excited about the Supreme Court decision that came out tonight. Yeah. The LGBT community can sleep a little easier tonight. So thank you, and we'll see you all next week. Goodbye.